Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to another fabulous episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. On today's fabulous, even-numbered episode, we'll put 114. We teased it in the last episode. If this is the first episode you've ever listened to, I'll still tell you what we're going to do today. Actually, I'm going to let Sam tell you what we're going to do today. So, Drew, in episode 113, we talked about the importance of full-fledged expectations, especially around our leadership. And we rolled out a new model of how we could be hiring and getting people into where they want to go and keeping them happy, which should help us with retention. And then you mentioned back in the days when you were with Team USA, you had this four-level program, technical training level one, running a shift in level two, leading people, interviewing selection retention, in level three, running the store, reading the PL in level four. And a light bulb went on for me. And I thought to myself that perhaps if somebody's going to get into leadership, one of the very first things we should teach them to do is some sort of soft skills. Because all of these things that we're teaching them are going to require them interacting with their team. And I'm making the assumption that we haven't hired from the outside, which isn't a safe assumption anymore, and that they already know how to make a pizza, they already know how to take an order, and those things, because certainly those things would have to be first. Somewhere very near the top of the list, I think we have to start teaching our people the soft skills of the job. I might be out on a limb here. I think our retention woes are centered around our inability to communicate with our team and our inability to use the soft skills. Because in my experience, uh, personal experience, and now as I've accumulated many more trips around the sun, most of our leaders in Domino's pizza stores are folks that are at the beginning of their journey of becoming leaders. And a lot of folks that are on the beginning of their journey to becoming leaders make the horrible mistake that leadership is a position and not a responsibility. So it's interesting that you would bring that up. The corporate training model did not have soft skills at level one. It's because soft skills require, listen, you're not going to learn soft skills by watching it on, on a YouTube video or on a, on an e-learning. You're going to, you're going to get a concept, but, but where you get your soft skills from is practice feedback and coaching. Is that a fair way to, to put that? I think it's a rock solid way to put that. E-learning is fabulous for the concept, but, but this is things you're going to have to practice. Someone's going to have to observe you doing it. Someone's going to have to give you feedback on it and then coach or train you to that next level. And it was decided early on due to budgeting that that stuff would be in level three. If you stop to think about it, it kind of makes sense. Because the idea for level one is get them to open or close as quickly as possible so that the store stays open. As you said in the previous episode, manager's main role is to get the store open and closed seven days a week. And to do that, that means you've got to do bing, 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 bing. So level one 
we wanted it as short as possible. We wanted it as quick as possible. And we didn't want them to be held up in level one because they had to attend training that had to be scheduled. Sure. I get that. That said, I completely agree with you. Now, there were always things that were, were taught, like like there was a part of orientation. There was a basic people first class. I used to call it, you know, things you're not allowed to say. That was my joking title. Remember back in the 90s, there was like a hiring and retention class. And I don't know if you called it that, but everybody else called it hiring and firing in the 90s. Like it wasn't titled <laughs> that, but that became like the street name of it. And the people first class was always just things you're not allowed to say. Like you can't tell that joke. Please don't. But it's funny that we have to, but we have to explain that to people and tell people that. Right. It begs the question, right? Which is more important for that assistant manager, the store manager, or the district manager? Is it the technical training? How do you open? How do you close? How do you handle a rush? Or is it the soft skills? How do you talk to the person? Because you're not going to be alone in the store. Correct. And finding that balance because you only have a finite amount of time. I can't, the, the turnover rate is too high to invest four or five months into a person before they're alone in the store. So there have to be trade-offs. You're shaking back and forth. I assume you're in that boat that you can't really have somebody shadow for four or five months before you have them alone in the store. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think what has happened over the course of the last few decades because of tightening margins, higher costs, seemingly same top line pricing, is that we have lost the ability, and part of this is due to the to the staffing as well, but we've lost the ability to have side-by-side time at all. I think there has to be some overlap if people are going to learn the soft skills. The things that we're training people today, how to make a pizza, how to take an order, how to do a food order, how to make the schedule, all of those t- task-based things have their challenges and they are certainly not simple on the face. When we compare them to soft skills, they become very simple because soft skills are very difficult. Because when you're dealing with a task-based thing, only one side of that equation is a human being. When you're dealing with soft skills, both sides of the equation are human beings and no two human beings are the same. So this is going to be slightly a shot in the foot for both you and I, because a lot of what we teach is soft skills. And like you said, it's very difficult to get soft skill training from a video. It's also difficult to get it from a class. It has to, to me, the best soft skill trainings are in 15 to 30 to 60 second increments in real time, right after it happened while it's fresh in both the learner and the teacher's mind, and you can relive that. With that said, I think in the classroom, what so many people shy away from, and oh my goodness, I wish they wouldn't, is role-playing is so important in soft skill training. It's where we can put a bit of reality into the classroom, and people are so embarrassed to get up in front of their peers and do things. But for me, and maybe this is the same for you in classes, Whenever I introduce role playing into the classroom, it's much like a night at the karaoke bar. Nobody wants to sing the first song. But once one or two songs get sang and people see that everybody's having fun and that nobody is going to get up there and be Frank Sinatra and the coaching you get 
from the role plays is always transparent. It's real, it's kind, and it helps them become better. Then, then that role playing starts to get going. So I guess episode 114 for me, Drew, is, is more of a plea. If you have the opportunity to take a workshop with Drew or myself, or any workshop, quite frankly, and whoever is leading the workshop says, we're going to do some role plays, jump in with both feet. You'll never be in a safer room. You'll never be in a place where you can get better coaching and you're never going to develop your soft skills better than if you are free to doing role plays. And then if you can take that to the next level and take it back to your stores and start doing role plays with your teams, you're going to see that those soft skills increase. And I think as people's soft skills get better and better and better and they get more comfortable leading people and they realize that you're the one that helped them develop those skills, they stay longer and they start to get institutional knowledge and they start to become more and more valuable and your team starts to run more efficiently. And then your team start to stay longer because they like the person they're working for. I, I don't know how we got there, but I'm glad we did. I like where you're going. So now let's, let me, let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Please do. I agree with the role play piece. There's no negative outcome from doing a role play in a classroom. The only negative outcome is that you didn't actually participate in the role play. You're in a safe space. No one's feelings are going to get hurt. It's the best place to practice, to try something. It's like preseason hockey. Yeah, sure. You're skating through, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a role play. No one's going to get hurt. Maybe you learned something from it. That's it. Jump in, do it. No one's going to get embarrassed. So now let's, let's translate it to, to for real. One, there's only the two of us. So although it'd be super awesome if everyone listening was like, hey, Drew, hey, Sam, come out and do training. You and I can't get to everybody. So part of what you're saying is that manager, that district manager to the manager, the franchisee to the district manager needs to be present to observe their team member to give them feedback. Absolutely. We're not shy on on the labor difficulties of that most locations are tag team management are you a wrestling fan sam a fan i wouldn't say that but i know where you're going with the tag team ladies and gentlemen from mandalay bay las vegas uh, let's get ready to rumble right so if, if you're not a fan of of wrestling Two guys are, are on a team together. One's in the ring. And for him to get out of the ring, he's got to high five the other guy. And then they switch places. And that's how most of the management is. I open at five o'clock. I leave at 4.59. Hopefully the guy that's supposed to close shows up. We high five each other as he's walking in and I'm walking out. And we go about our business. And there's not a lot of opportunity for feedback there. Now, I know you and I have said for years that that mid-shift to get the manager off of opening, to get the manager off of closing and have the manager doing that mid where they can be there for the lunch rush and the dinner rush, they can be there for the opener and the closer, that there's overlap is paramount to the store success. And to this conversation, I think it's paramount to soft skill success as well. Let's talk about this tap out management for just a second and talk about what's in it for the assistant managers if we eliminated the tap out. Let's say instead of a tap out, it was a transition. And the opener spent five minutes debriefing exactly what was done, what needed to be done, and what had gone on. Wouldn't that save the next manager 20 or 30 minutes trying to figure out where they're at? 
And then the closing manager could do the opening manager a solid too. And I'm not saying be there at open and transition what happened, but how about a daily log? This is how the shift went. This is what's going on. You're, You're out of onions. You should find some. Leave the story you'd like the way you'd like to find it. And if you're the opening manager, set up the next guy for success by taking five or 10 minutes and chatting with him. And that chat could be on the make line. You could be chatting at the make line and, and getting ahead of the dinner rush. And then when you leave, you know the store's set up for success. And if the store's set up for success going into the dinner rush, perhaps they're more willing to do a better close. And certainly this isn't happening for any of the folks that listen to Drew and Sam talk training, but in some Domino's pizza stores, there's a little bit of friction between the openers and the closers. And every time I make that joke in front of a class, everybody laughs. So I think the opening versus closing shift managers tension is alive and well in 2023. I go around and I teach my better shifts today and in it, I have my shift cycle where I do exactly that, Sam. We talk about um, everything should have a process and the process should be the same across the stores of the franchise. And we talk about having a log. I am really clear. I don't care what the log is. It shouldn't be a text message because I don't want to get text at two o'clock in the morning if I've got to be up at 7 a.m. to open. Agreed. It should be something in the store that stays with the store that I can go to. Sure. The closer leaves notes for the opener. Yep. The opener can leave closing notes for the closer. Hey, this is what I saw. Hey, can you make sure you whatever, flip these utensils so we don't have pooling of water, whatever, right? <laughs> at the at the tag team part with the tap in, uh, what I teach for a handle the rush is um, a version of my snapshot from the supervisor class that when you're coming in, you should do a store walk. You should check all the product. You should check all your temps. You should check your prep levels. You should make sure the schedule is correct. There should be at least a 20 to 30 minute overlap just to make sure that the store is ready for success so that you can do the best you can that night or that the opener can go, hey, I need you for 15 minutes because I'm behind because we were busier than what we expected. There's got to be at least that 30 minute to your point transition. There has to be that. And I can tell you, I know you're in the same boat I am. We have some world-class clients and I've still seen that on schedules and stores as recently as weeks ago where it's nine to five, five to close. And what if we added in another piece for the openers? I'm, this is definitely for people that opened and to set closers up for success. What if we initiated some open and honest communication an hour before the closer shift or two hours before or whenever it's needed? If I'm the closer, I want to know what I'm walking into before I walk into it. So, Drew, let's say that you opened the store today and for some unforeseen reason, you did way more sales than you expected, which didn't allow you to have ample time through no fault of your own to get the store set up. If I'm scheduled at five, man, I'd like to get that information as soon as the lunch rush is over so that I can make a decision based on what's going on. And some days I will say, you know what? I'm going to go into what I go into. I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. And other days I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I'm going to go in two hours early and help get the store set up. So my shift goes well. 
if we got to a place where there was open and honest communication between the openers and the closers, then the closers could make decisions based on what's happening. I handle dumpster fires much better if I know it's on fire before I get there because I can mentally prepare myself and I can decide if I want to go in early and do some things. And I'm not saying that you have to go in early and do some things because they were overrun at lunch with extra sales. But man, I'd like to have the information so I could make the choice. So let's play that out for a second, right? Lunch has extra sales, which means technically by every measure, no matter how you do it, you have extra labor dollars that day. Because you have extra labor dollars that day, what generally happens is there is no communication. You show up when you're scheduled. You're behind for your dinner rush because the prep isn't complete. Your dinner rush doesn't go well, so you keep people past their scheduled times because you're playing catch-up. Your clothes doesn't go well because you didn't get any of the cleanup done because you've been playing catch-up the whole time, so you're later on clothes. So the extra labor dollars that you gained from your woohoo, we had sales lunch, are lost because we weren't communicating, we weren't ready. And this gets back to that whole, like, I don't know how to stress it. I don't want somebody coming in earlier. I want, I want somebody in the middle. Like in Drew's perfect world, the opener is nine to four, seven hour shift. If you want to make it an eight, that's fine, but let's call it nine to four. I have a mid that's going, if I have a lunch rush, they're going from 11 to eight or 11 to nine because they're my manager. If I don't have a lunch rush, it's a Tuesday. They're going from noon to, to eight, right? Time change is going to happen. So noon to eight's a decent shift. And then my closer can come in at four o'clock because we know, Sam, once that time change happens, and when this episode drops, that time change is what, two weeks away. When that time change hits, four o'clock's going to be busier than five o'clock is today. Because it'll be dark. Yep. So having my closer come in at five o'clock, there is nothing they can do. The rush has already started. They are, they are jumping in the deep end of the pool. If I can have that overlap, it saves some of this come in early. And I get it. I don't have the staff for it. Cool. Then the first priority should be, to your point, set up a communication system so that the two people running the store can talk. And then if I'm not in that store, if I'm a district manager, if I'm the franchisee, my next priority is hiring somebody to be that third person. The hours are there. The dollars are there. We're wasting them on inefficiencies later. You know, I like your system of an opener, a mid and a closer. I, I like that a lot. Just to make sure to reiterate, my point was not going against that. It was if you have an opener and a closer, it's simply to communicate and give the closer the option to do what they need to do. And I really liked what you said about if we have extra sales, we're going to have extra labor dollars. This is what you need to know. If you're not ready for the dinner rush, you're going to spend extra labor hours. Your choice is, are you going to spend them before and get ready to deliver world-class Domino's pizza experiences, make your job more fun, make your job less stressful, make the team feel successful and like winners, or are you going to spend them after because you're loading in 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes and the rush lasts an extra 10, 25, 30 minutes because you're behind. So everybody is stressed. Drivers aren't making as much tips. Customers aren't getting that world-class Domino's pizza experience. So step up to the plate 
and put the money at the beginning of the shift and get ready for it. Get your customers where they need to be and, and loyal and with us forever. I had mentioned I do my better shifts today class and I'd done a couple of them with a, a client where we did a manager class to introduce the managers to the, these three new checklists to follow in the new systems with the checklist. And then I do a train the trainer with the supervisors where we do a handle the rush we do an open for success. I don't usually do clean and accurate close because closing is legit just following the checklist. Like there's not a lot in there. It's a little bit of time management. That's about it. Like being aware that you should do something at eight o'clock as opposed to waiting till 11. The handle the rush every single time I've taught it, every single time at like 6.30, the director, the franchisee, somebody who's, who's the, the leader above the participants looks at me and goes, hey, I'm sorry, it's so slow tonight. And every time we pull up the sales and we're 10, 15, 20% up same time. It's not that it's slow. It's that when, and by the way, the, the, the participants aren't actively doing anything during the rush other than keeping team members where they're supposed to be. When you say the participants, you mean the, you, the people you're teaching? Like my supervisors. So you have not added an extra set of hands to the rush? Correct. Gotcha. They are not actively doing anything other than maybe occasionally doing small talk with customers. They're not taking orders. They're not making pizzas. They're, they're not doing anything other than keeping team members where they're supposed to be and focused on the job at hand. And every time, gosh, this last time this, we were in a 200 store DMA. So on the leaderboard, you can be, you can get kind of high And this store generally ran in the 150 range on the leaderboard and we got it to 12. Nice. There's no cornmeal on us is just, follow the system. There were no extra people called in. In fact, we had a driver call out. We got the 12 because you're prepped, you're ready. And you're thinking about what to do next, as opposed to trying to recover from what just happened. You know, Mr. Monahan was on to something when he said the key to success is to handle the rush, be prepared for the rush, handle the rush and take care of it. And it's amazing how the very best operators embrace that, even though it's a philosophy that's 63 years old. And it's just amazing that, that, you know, you can walk into a store, embrace that philosophy, make sure people are doing everything they can when they don't have to make pizzas so that when they have to make pizzas, the only thing they have to do is make pizzas, how much more smoothly it goes. But that's where this whole conversation goes, right? If that principle works for something technical, then that principle works for something not technical like soft skills. I can't wait, wait for it to happen. I can't wait for it to grow. I can't wait for Sam to finally show up on time. I have to address the issue as quickly as possible or even ahead of time, because the longer I let it wait, the bigger the issue becomes and the worse it becomes. Sure. And, you know, I think that's where it comes into. We introduce philosophies and principles. I think with, with that, you've got to have that side by side training in real time when something comes up. because you know, as well as I do that we could put together of 1001 things that could possibly happen in a Domino's pizza store, spend 16 days in class going over those 1001. And on day 17, issue number 1002 comes up and somebody says, I don't know how to do that. Pizzas are pretty cut and dry. Taking an order, pretty cut and dry. Soft skills, two human beings involved. And that's where things can get uh, a little bit more complicated, but you're absolutely right. The philosophies and 
learning the basics are something we can definitely teach in the beginning and get them for their pre-rush prep when it comes to soft skills. Have you ever seen the movie Inception? Inception, Inception. Is that with uh, Shayla Woodley? Shayla Woody? Shayla? No, that uh, this is Leonardo DiCaprio where oh. you you fall into a, a dream and then you can yes. fall into layers of dreams and and the further into dreams you go, the longer time, whatever, right? Yep. Um, I had a training inception moment in a class. Oh my, you tell. So we're three insiders. Uh, we assign the roles, go captain, load captain, and doe. And the go captain is like, hey, uh, the, the, the person you're putting on doe has only been working for us for two weeks. I'm like, that's cool. Have they ever made a pizza before? And they're like, I mean, like one, kind of. Like, cool. I go over to the load captain. Like, do you know how to make a pizza? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've been doing this like three years I'm like cool have you ever taught somebody how to make a pizza well kind of like cool so i grab a supervisor like have you watched somebody train somebody on how to make a pizza the supervisor's like i have like cool so here's what we're gonna do load captain you're gonna train the dough guy on how to make a pizza supervisor you're gonna watch the dough the load captain train and we're gonna create this feedback loop and it was the coolest thing because by the end of the dinner rush the dough the kid on dough was making the pizzas, all of them. Load captain felt better because he could train on how to make dough. And the supervisor felt better because he gave really good feedback, like on five separate occasions, because we had multiple people observing, coaching, and giving feedback. And it was just one of those super cool moments. And I say training inception because at the end of it was me. Like, like there's this like four level deep training ince inception happening because each one of us is, is training the person down on something and giving feedback and you kind of got to stagger it. Right. So that, that load captain is right on the doe kid's shoulder for like three hours and he is talking to him the whole time. And the supervisor is on the other shoulder. Like, okay, that was a nice way you did that, but, but don't touch the doe the next time. Like let them do it. Like giving them little pointers like that. And I'm pulling the supervisor aside. So like, it was just really cool the way the inception kind of worked because I only got the supervisor for like, 30 second like increments because of the way everybody was observing. But I tell it because to what we're talking about, it was two hours and it was four people, but it made a lasting impact on three of the four people. And it made an operational improvement to the store instantly because we added another skilled set of hands. Now, can the, the kid on dough do dough on Friday night at that store this week? No, probably not. But in two weeks, Kenny, probably when Sam and I are talking about overlapping and being there and giving feedback, that's what we're talking about. It's not, hey, you're on dough tonight. I'm going to go make the schedule. Hey, I know it's your first night on the make line. Job aids are right here. I'm going to go count food. Like, that's not what we're talking about. That's not overlap. You know what I think we should do? I think we should talk about real-time coaching and overlap in more detail in episode number 115. This is like This is like this rolling tidal wave of content. It's kind of nice. Like, like, it's just tease after tease after tease. I like it. So, hey, gang, in episode 114, we talked to you about the importance of soft skill training. We talked to you about doing role plays and feeling safe and teaching your learners how to get things done, which should, in essence, help you with retention and give your people that knowledge that they need to be more valuable and most importantly, give your customers world-class Domino's pizza experiences. We teased episode number 115. I know you'll be on pins and needles waiting for that one as we jump more 
into coaching in real time and more about this side by side. Drew talking about the importance of setting up your managers in an opening manager, a mid shift and a closing manager. I love that concept. Give it a try. Let us know how it works for you. I think you'll find that you'll get results that your customers really, really love. And so will your profit and loss statement. As always, gang, like and share these episodes. Put them on your socials. Send smoke signals. Hire an airplane and put it on a banner flying high over your favorite college football stadium. Do what it takes to get the word out. You're listening. You must like it. Let others listen. Let's help build this brand and maintain our dominant position as the number one pizza company in the world. As always, I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I believe I am still Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. I'm Batman. Go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. That's all, folks.